We're up to the <coughs> the two dots at the bottom of Daf Ayin Beis and Beis. So the Gemara uh, begins a discussion about the Kayan Meshuach Melchama. The Kayan Meshuach Melchama was a special a Kayan whose special job it was to address Klal Yisrael before they went out to war. Right by the battlefield, he would get up and give chizuk and give a speech. So the question is, what is his role? Meaning, when he serves in the Beis HaMikdash, how many garments does he wear? We saw in the Mishnah yesterday, the average Kohen wears four. The Kohen Gadol wears eight. So the question is, what is the Meshuch Muhammad? Because he's not the Kohen Gadol, but he's the highest of his own department. So he's like a subcategory. So he's not a regular Kohen, so he's not going to wear four, but he's not really the Kohen Gadol either. So he shouldn't really be wearing eight. So the question is, what do you do with him? So the Gemara, that's what the Gemara discusses. Kiyasar of Dimi Amar. Rabdimi gets up, and Rabdimi says, and usually, by the way, it's good to know that Rabdimi usually was quoting Rav Yechanan, um, it was his Rebbe, but Rabdimi gets up and he says that he wears eight garments in the Beis HaMikdash, meaning when the Kayin Gadol serves in the Beis HaMikdash, he wears eight garments, so to the Meshuch Muhammad, whenever the Meshuch Muhammad, this Kayin whose job it was to address Klal Yisrael, by the war, whenever he would serve in the base of Middash, he would also wear eight garments. Like a Kayin Gadol, because he's the highest of his department. He's a department head. So the Gemara says, Shenemar, how do you know that there's another Kayin who wears the eight garments like the Kayin Gadol? Because the Pasuk says, asher la'aron The Pasuk says that after Aaron dies, his son takes over, right? The rule is that Kayin Gadol is passed over from <laughs> father to son, assuming the son is worthy. So the Pasuk says that the father, when Aaron dies, it should go to his son, Acharov. Acharov means after him. So what does the extra word mean? It just said to his son. So why do you have to say Acharav? It means Lemi Sheba Bigdoil Acharav. The Gemara is the pasuk is alluding that there is a second person who's after Aaron, who's not like Aaron, but he's after Aaron, who also wears eight garments. So the pasuk is alluding to this, you know, mystery person. And who is this? This is the Meshuch Mochama. So the Gemara now feels that the Meshuch Mochama, the Kayan who addresses Klai before we go out to war, he wears eight garments like the Kayan Gadol in the base of Mikdash. That means, potentially, you could be walking in the base of Mikdash and see multiple people wearing the eight garments. You'll see the, uh, the Kayan Gadol and the Meshuch Mochama. So the Gemara says, wait a minute, you're telling me that the Meshuch Mochama wears eight garments, which, by the way, means... Basically, he's a Kayin Gadol, because one of the ways to... Uh, how do you make a Kayin Gadol a Kayin Gadol? So in the first base, I mean, they had the anointing oil, you'd anoint him. In the second base, I mean, we know that the anointing oil was hidden, right? It was hidden with the hour, and it was hidden with a lot of stuff. So how do you make a Kayin Gadol? So we, we learned that you just... Huh? You wear the garments. Meaning you wear the eight garments, including the says Meaning you just you dress the part, and that, that's it. So basically, it's, it's interesting that we're calling the Meshuch Muhammad. he wears eight. So basically, he's he's not a Kayin Gadol, but he's really, really close. The problem is the following Bryce, the following Bryce implies that he is not a Kayin Gadol at all. The problem is the Pasuk, the Bryce says like this, We know that the son of the Kayin Gadol takes over. It, it, it's it's uh, passed over in inheritance. So the question is, is that the same case with the Meshuch Muhammad? Is the son of the Meshuch Muhammad also the Meshuch Muhammad? So the Bryce says, you might think that the Meshuch Muhammad passes over his job to his son after he dies. Just like the son of the Kayin Gadol gets the job of his father. Go to the next page. The Pasuk says, 
The Pasuk says that for seven days the son will wear it after the father, meaning that this is the Pasuk that describes the concept of a Kohengadol son taking over after the father. So the Brisa says, that the only one who passes over to the son is the one who's able to enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim, i.e. the Kohen Gadol, as opposed to the Mishulach Muhammad. This Brisa clearly states that the Mishulach Muhammad is not fit to enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim. But why? If he's wearing the air garments, what makes him not fit? I mean, the Brisa says that the only one that passes to inheritance is the Kohen Gadol, not the Mishulach Muhammad. Why? Because the only thing that passes to inheritance is someone who could enter the Kodesh HaKadoshim, which excludes the Mishulach Muhammad. But why? If he wears the eight garments, what's stopping him? Why can't he just enter the Kayesh HaKadoshim on Yom Kippur? He's wearing the eight garments. So the Gemara says, this is what the Brisa means. The answer is no. He could enter the Kayesh HaKadoshim if he chooses to. That's not the point. The Brisa's point is, Davka Akayin Gadol, who that's his service, his purpose that's his role. If you ask the Kohen Gadol, what's your main role? His main role is to be able to serve on Yom Kippur in the Kodesh HaKadoshim. That's his main role. So he passes inheritance, as, as opposed to the Shemur Shulchan Muhammad. Not that the Shulchan Muhammad can't, but that's not his main job. So therefore, it could be that Hitaka wears the eight garments, and he's still, his child doesn't take over. But it's, it's unrelated to our discussion. Yeah. Is it Chaim Yaakov? So Amr le Abaya, Elazar Mishavis. So I'm sorry, Mesve Avakasha. You're telling me right now. Quick question. Yeah. So once the so once the Mishurach Melchama is wearing the eight garments, Kilo, he's the Kohen Gadol. What happens to the actual Kohen Gadol? Oh, so that's a okay. That's a very good point, and that's the Gemara is going to address right now, which is that we're saying that he wears the eight garments. The problem is. First of all, we're going to have a Bryce that says not like that, but also it's very unlikely that we would want, you know, Lahavdal El Fafi Abdallah. There's an old axiom in, in football if you have two quarterbacks, you got no quarterbacks, right? That's the old line. The, the concept of having two Kahanam Gedalim walking around is very, it's not a good idea because it's going to make the Kohen Gadol feel bad. The truth is, there's only one Kohen Gadol. The other one is just a Mashul Muhammad who's wearing the car, uh, garments. So the, the, it, it doesn't make sense that we should allow him to wear the eight garments anyway. So the Gemara addresses right now. Mesa, I have a kasha. You're telling me that he wears the eight garments, but eight lines in. The Brisa clearly states that the Meshul Muhammad does not wear four, because he's not a regular coin, but he doesn't wear eight either. By the way, what does that mean? It means he doesn't serve. He's stuck. He can't, he can't serve. He can't wear four. He can't wear eight. So you're telling me that he wears eight, but the Brisa says he doesn't wear eight. So the Gemara answers like this. I'm really Abaya. Elazar Mishavislay. So what what are you gonna do? You're gonna make him a Nakayan. Ella, Kikayan God the Mishum Eva, Kikayan Head, the Mishamalan Kaidish Maridim. This is Abaya's approach. Abaya says like this the truth is he could wear eight. Technically. The reason why we don't allow him to wear eight practically is because we're afraid of Eva. Eva meaning that we're afraid the Kaingal is gonna become jealous, that someone that's lower than him is walking around like an imposter. But the truth is, let's say the Kayin Gadol gets sick, or let's say the Kayin Gadol dies, or let's say the Kayin Gadol goes on vacation, whatever it is, he could wear eight. Meaning, both are correct. Ravadim is correct that he wears eight, that he could wear eight. Either Bryce says that he doesn't, Abayi just says, that just means he practically doesn't because we don't want to cause a fight. 
but conceptually, he could wear eight. And if there was a situation where the Kohen Gadol was not around, he was out of town, he would wear eight. Because there's nothing inherently wrong with him wearing eight. We just don't want to offend the Kohen Gadol. That's what the Gemara says. So the conclusion at this point of the Gemara is that he conceptually could wear eight, but doesn't actually wear eight. Because we don't want him to feel bad, the Kohen Gadol to feel bad. So the Gemara now says like this. So you're telling me the reason why he doesn't wear eight, because there's two options. The Bryce says he doesn't wear eight. Option number one, he's not worthy of wearing eight, not like Rav Dimi. Or he's worthy of wearing eight, like Rav Dimi, but just practically it's not a good idea because it's going to cause a fight. So the Gemara says, you're telling me that the reason why he doesn't wear eight is because it's going to cause him to, 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 to have a fight? Let me ask you a question. The, the following Brysa we're going to quote, it's a long Brysa. The Brysa is going to describe the differences between Kohanim, Kohanim Gedolim, all this. Right now we're saying that this Meshuch Mohama does not wear eight garments because it'll cause a fight. When I say a fight, he'll, the, the Kohen God will be jealous. He'll be, feel uncomfortable. The problem is this brysa, I'm just telling you how we'll see it inside. This brysa is going to describe a kayan sha'avar. A kayan sha'avar means, I'm the kayan gadol, uh, something happens to me, so you're the replacement, and then I come back, what happens to you? So that the brysa is going to clarify. What happens to you? You were the kayan gadol at some point, because you were the sub, you were the substitute kayan gadol, and now you're back to not being. So the halacha is, he wears, according to this brysa, it's a machlekes, Tanoim, but according to this person, he wears eight. So how come you're not afraid of jealousy over there? Meaning, we don't allow the Meshulach Melchama to wear eight practically because we're saying that it'll cause jealousy, but the Kayan, who is the sub, can wear eight. Well, what's the difference? That's the Gemara's question. Right now you're telling me, again, the Bryce says he doesn't wear eight. The Shul Melchama doesn't wear eight. There's two choices. Either because he's not worthy and Rabdimi's wrong, or no, 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 no. The Gemara says, no, no, he's worthy. He could wear eight. Just practically he doesn't because we don't want to cause jealousy. The problem is this Bryce that we're about to quote is that the sub wears the eight garments. So why is there no jealousy there? What's going on? That's what Gemara says. Uh, <clears throat> but I thought the Bryce that we're about to quote is not concerned of jealousy. And, and still, we don't allow the Meshul of Muhammad to wear eight garments. That implies that he's not worthy, Titania. The Brisa says like this, a long Brisa, but it's, let's go through it simple. It's a simple Brisa. First of all, the Brisa starts off, what's the difference in halacha between a Kohen Gadol and a non-Kohen Gadol? So, it lists. First of all, par Kohen Mashiach, uh, the sin offering of a Kohen Gadol is different than that of a regular person. Par Habal Kohen Mitzvah, it's a separate carbon that again, if the Kohen makes certain errors, Let's have does have He brings certain carbonas uh, are different. Par Yom Kippurim, the par of the Yom Kippur, right? That's the service. The, the par of the Yom Kippur is special for a kohen gadol. Asiris Eifa, giving the tenth of the Eifa. That's the daily carbon uh, of the kohen gadol. Loi Pireya, he does not shave his head. Loi uh, Pirem, right? When Loi uh, Pireya, Roisha legadol Seir, meaning no, I'm sorry, he does not grow his hair long when he's in Avelis. A Kohen Gadol, if he's an Avelis, he, he, he gets a haircut. Like Pairim, he doesn't rip his garment in mourning like everyone else. Aval Pairim Hulamata, he rips it at the bottom. Meaning when someone loses a parent, they rip it over here. They rip the garment over here. Not the Kohen Gadol, he rips it at the bottom. He rips the bottom of his clothing. 
the Kohen Gadol does not go to the funeral of his relatives. He has to marry a woman who's a basula, who's a virgin. He's not allowed to marry an almana, as opposed to the regular Kohen. And when he dies, all those that are accidental murderers get to leave the city of refuge. He's allowed to bring Karbanos in a state of Aninus, which is the time period before his relatives are buried. But he doesn't eat a Karbanos in a state of Aninus. And he doesn't, he can't set aside Karbanos at the time period to eat. He gets to choose the first of every Karban. He gets to choose which Karbanas he'd like to do. He wears eight garments, as opposed to the average Kohen. And he's exempt if he enters the Beisamikdash in a state of Tumah. He does all the services of Yom Kippur. Okay, that's the Brisa so far. Not relevant to anything that we're talking about, just listing the difference between a Kohen Gadol and a Kohen Hadid. Then, Kula Noigis Bimruba Begadim. Um, the same is true. It doesn't matter. There's no difference between a kohen gadol that was anointed or a kohen gadol who just wore the garments, except for this carbon. This carbon of parabal kol mitzvahs is a special carbon that's only brought for the sin offering of a kohen gadol who was anointed. Okay. The is b'meshuach, b'meshuach Oh, and they're all noyig, and the halacha is that the substitute Kayan Gadol, meaning you were the sub, and then now you're back, meaning I'm the Kayan Gadol, something happens to me, you're the sub, I'm back, you're replaced, so you're, the halacha is you're a Kayan Gadol for all intents and purposes, except for the Karbanas of Yom Kippur, that you don't do, but for you wear the eight garments, pause. That means that a sub wears the eight garments and we're not worried about jealousy. But the Meshulach Muhammad does not wear the eight garments. The only thing that the Meshulach Muhammad has is he doesn't rip his garments in a state of mourning. He gets a haircut when he's a mourner. He does not go to the cemetery. He does not go to the funeral of his relatives. He has to wear a basula. And there's a machlokas whether if the Meshulach Muhammad dies, can those that were in a city of refuge leave safely? Point is, this Brisa says the Meshulch Muhammad does not wear the eight garments, seemingly because we're afraid of jealousy. But the substitute Kayan Gadol does wear the eight garments. So why are you not worried about jealousy? It's inconsistent. So the Gemara answers, The answer is very simple, and that is the Kayan Gadol is not jealous of the substitute Kayan Gadol wearing garments. Why? Because he, it's like, they were in the trenches together. He served as a Kayan Gadol, maybe for a short period of time. I'm not jealous. Like, fine, we're equals, I get it. He wears, he earned it. He served as a Kayan Gadol, I get it. The Meshulach Melchama is just a Kayan that's appointed to give a speech. I'm not trying to belittle it, but he's not the Kayan Gadol. Yes, is he the highest in his department? For sure. But he's not the Kayan Gadol. That's why the Kohen Gadol is jealous of him. So the answer is, he doesn't wear the garments practically because there's going to be jealousy. I, what about a substitute? Why does he? The answer is, I'm not jealous of a substitute Kohen Gadol. He was a Kohen Gadol. I, I, he earned it. That guy is just the Mishul Muhammad. He's the highest of his department. 
but that doesn't mean that he's the kind gadol. That that's the difference. So it's it's mental. It's a mental thing that that we are concerned of jealousy sometimes and sometimes not. It's not a clear cut. Okay, so the Gemara says, okay, so this all started. Uh, we're we're done the sugya in a few minutes, and then uh, then the sugya uh, is going to be from here until the end of the parak of how do you ask the urim Batuman questions practically. Um, so the Gemara, this all started with Rav Dimi. And again, the Gemara assumes that Rav Dimi always quotes Rav Yochanan. So although he did not quote Rav Yochanan, the assumption is that the Rav Dimi was saying in the name of Rav Yochanan. The Rav Dimi got up and said that the, that the Meshuch Muhammad, whenever he's in the base of English, he wears the eight garments. And we've had a whole discussion of whether that's correct, practical, not practical, is it allowed, is it not allowed fun? But this all started with Rav Dimi. So the Gemara says... Um, Yosef Ravavo Ravavo quoted the same teaching in the name of Rav Yochanan. And Hadrinu Ravami Ravasi And Ravami and Ravasi turned around. They didn't they were very unhappy that he said this because they didn't think that it's true that Rav Yochanan would say this that a Mashuch Muhammad wears the eight garments in the base of English. But they didn't want to get up and say, You're wrong. So what do they do? It's like a shikal it's like a passive guy. They just turned their back. They just turned their back. That was it. They turned their back on him. So the Gemara says, so they turn their back on Ravavo. Ikadamri, and some have a different slight variation, that Rav Chibaraba on Ravajun Ravami Ravasi Lapayu. And some say that Ravami Ravasi turned their back on Rav Chibaraba. Now, so they either turn their back on Ravavo or Rav Chibaraba. So the Gemara just has a practical question. Maskler Rav Papa, Bishlaim Ravavo Mishum Yikud Bekesar, Rav Chibaraba Nimrli Meimar, Loyam Rav Yechonahachi. The Gemara just doesn't understand why they would turn their back. These were not shy Ravonim. If they felt that they're misquoting Rav Yochanan, say it. So they, they, the Gemara says, I understand why they wouldn't want to say that to Ravavo. Ravavo was very close with the Caesar. He was a very influential person. And I could see why Ravamirasi are afraid to start getting into an argument with Ravavo because you do not want to anger the Rav that's the most politically uh, powerful Rav around. But Ruchiba Rabba wasn't. They should be able to just say, Ruchiba Rabba, uh-uh. And by the way, for the record, the reason why Rav Amin and Rav Asi were so offended by this, not just the fact that it's, they felt it's, in, it's incorrect, Rav, Rav Amin and Rav Asi were the two main students of Rav Yochanan. So, they're, they're buried right next to him, uh, for the record, if you're in Tveria. So, Rav Amin and Rav Asi were the students of Rav Yochanan. So, they hear Rav Yochanan is saying as being quoted as saying that the Meshulch Muhammad wears the eight garments of the base of Mikdash, and they're like, no, he didn't. He never said that. So what did he say? At all misconceptions in Yiddishkeit, let's assume that this is a misconception, that Ruchi Barabba made a mistake. I'm not saying that that's the case. Let's just assume he made a mistake. He didn't make it up out of nothing, right? All, all mistakes are based on something, something truthful. So they, Ruchi Barabba gets up and says that Rav Yochanan told me that the Meshulch Muhammad, the Kohen who gives the speech, he wears eight garments of the base of Mikdash when he serves. And they're like, what are you talking about? He never said that. So they turn their back to him. So where did Ravavo get it from? And where did Rechiba Rabba get it from? They obviously didn't make it up out of ether. So the Gemara says, Kiyosa Ravin Amar Nishal Itmar. Ravin says, no. Before they would go to war, right Right before they would go to war, they would ask the Urim Batumim, is this a good idea? And the Urmutu would say yes, and then they would go to war. The Meshulch Muhammad, right before on the battlefield, before he would go to war, they would ask the Urmutu one more time. Which means when he gave his speech, he was wearing the eight garments. 
Rav Yochanan never said that he was wearing the eight garments in the Beis HaMikdash when he serves on a Tuesday. All Rav Yochanan said is that when he's on the battlefield about to give his speech, he's wearing the eight garments because they just asked him the question of should they go out to war. So Rav Yochanan, Rav Yochanan never meant that he wears the eight garments in the Beis HaMikdash. He meant that when he gives his speech, he wears the eight garments. Why, that, that, why would he have thought otherwise? They, they're talking about the, the Kohen Gadol who goes out to serve in his battle. Of course, it's talking about he wears... Well, I actually, it's funny. I would not have thought that he wears the eight garments not in the base of Mikdash, to be honest. I mean, it's not, again, it's not the classic eight garments, but it's initial. By the way, it doesn't mean that literally on the battlefield. It means that right before he goes out to war. It means when he's asked about to go to war, he's wearing the eight garments. If you look at Rashi... Um, um, one second... Oh, Kiyasa Rav and Omar, Lav Mishamish Ben Itmar. Rav Yochan never said that he wears the eight garments when he goes in the Beis Hamikdash. El Nishal Ben Itmar, Begadim Shakayin Gadol Mishamish Ben Meshulcha Nishal Kishiyotz and Mechama Ben Nishal Ruvim Tum Mishamelch Nishal. He definitely wears it right before they go out to war because they ask, "Should we go out to war?" He doesn't wear it in the Beis Hamikdash when he serves. Now, I just want to quickly check to see. Uh, um, Second, Nishal Itmar, 27. The statement that the coin anointed for battle wears the vestments was not made in reference to serving in them, but being consulted while wearing them. When he goes out to war and is requested by the king to inquire the woman to him, the coin anointed for must be wearing all eight garments. Okay, so maybe he doesn't actually say it when he goes out to the actual battlefield, because I don't know if he's allowed to wear it outside. But the point is, right before he goes out to war, it's not like you just put on the Urimatumim. He wears all eight, and then they ask, Should we go out to war? And and the, the, that's, the, that's the response. So now from here until the end of the parak, we will talk about the process of asking the Urim Vitumim questions. Which, by the way, for the record, is, a, is in one of Rechaim Knievsky's Svarim in the back. I think it's on, I think it's called Siach, I think it's in Siach HaSada. Rechaim Knievsky puts out these small Svarim every once in a while. So one of the Svarim, uh, like one of them, he has like one on grasshoppers. Like the halachas of grasshoppers. One is on tattoos, because there's there's a certain type of grasshopper in Yaladi, which, by the way, just for the record, then we'll go back to There's a story with that, that I saw Rechaim Kanevsky say is MS, that he said it's Nachon, he said it's true, that he was learnt, he was writing about this, he was writing the Sefer on grasshoppers, and um, there are certain things, again, Tamani people eat a certain grasshopper, they feel it's still kosher, and it's, he was writing about the different halachas, what does it look like? He said that he had a kasha, on about a certain nakud of what it looks like. He says, as he was learning in Bnei Brak, a grasshopper jumped through the window onto his table. He said he looked at it, and then it jumped away. That's what he said. So it's like a small little uh, Meisel Rechaim, a little miracle for Rechaim. So anyway, so Rechaim in one of his Svarim, huh? There's a video. They ask Rechaim, the Rebbe, is this true? He says, Nachon. So, um, uh, so by the way, so the, the, there's, uh, the, no, so there's, um, there's the, in one of his Svarim, he, he was in a conversation with his uncle, the Chazanish, and I guess the Chazanish was in a good mood, and they were asking all, like, out there questions. And one of the questions was, he was asking halachically on Shabbos, are you allowed to ask the Urim Vatumim questions on Shabbos? Because it's causing the letters to light up. Is that like writing? And a whole discussion, then he asked the Chazanish, um, I don't remember his answer, but then he asked the Chazanish another question, I guess he was in a good mood. They asked the Chazanish, um, the Arizal used to say that if a person cries, like when he's crying out of sadness or doing tshuva, and he takes the tears and wipes it on his forehead, it erases your averis. That's the Arizal. That's what Arizal said. So Chaim asked the Chazanish, are you allowed to do that on Shabbos? 
or is it erasing? It's, it's just like, you know, it's like a cute, it's just, I have to try to see where it is. So the Gemara now here till the end of the parak, it's going to talk about how they asked the Urim Vatumim questions. Practically, what was the form? So let's just run through it. The Gemara says, Tan Rabbanon, Ketzat Shailin Hashail, Ketzat Shailin, how do you ask the Urim Vatumim questions? So he says, Hashail Panav Klape Nishal. So let's say you're the Kayin Gadol, right? You're Kayin, so Bez Hashem, you'll be the Kayin Gadol. So you're wearing the Urim Vatumim. So if I'm asking the question, I have to face you. Nishal panav klape shechina, and you look down towards the urim v'tumim. You face the urim v'tumim. So I'm looking at you, and you're looking at your chest, like that. Hashoyel oimer, and the shoyel asks the question. Let's say the question is, they want to, if they should go out to war. So it's, erdav achari hagadud azeh, should I go after this battalion? Vahanishal oimer, and the koyen responds, if the answer is yes, koyamar Hashem alei v'hatzleach. Go, and you will be successful. So, so says God, go and you'll be successful. Rav Yudah disagrees. He says, Rav Yudah says, you don't have to say the words, so says God. Just say it, and we know it's so said God. The Gemara continues. Um, Ain, it, it's like, uh, you don't have to say the words, Hashem, so says God. You're passing over to him. It's like, uh, it's not the same, but Rav Soloveitchik, whenever he would get uh, a keyboard under the chuppah, as a Masada Kedushin, he would never say Savri. Right before he Masai, he wouldn't say that. Why? The Mishabruz has to say it. And the Minig is to say it. Salvation didn't say it. Why? Because he says the whole Indian of Savri is asking permission. You're asking permission from there. Can I please Savri meaning Brashus. You know, can I like Brashus. He says, I'm the Masada Kedushan. You asked me to do it. You obviously granted me permission. It's not necessary for me to ask for permission again. So it's like here. It's not necessary to say Kaimar Hashem. So then, okay, fine. Now the Gemara continues. When you ask the question, when the Kayan asks the question, he doesn't say it out loud. He doesn't say the question out loud. But he doesn't think it. What does he do? It's It's modeled after Shemon Esrei. When you dive in Shemon Esrei, we model it after Chana. Which is her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. So when the Kayan Gadol is asking the questions of what to do, he's not saying, Should we go to war? It looks like he's Davish Shmoneser. He's not thinking it, he's not speaking it aloud. He's Davish Shmoneser, that, that audible level. And, that, and, the, and, the, the, and that's the response. You are not supposed to ask two questions at once, one question at a time. And if you did, they only give you one answer. You will not get two answers. You'll get one answer. And you'll be answered the first question. You'll be answered the first question. Meaning, you're not supposed to ask two questions. And if you do, they'll answer the first question. They're not going to answer the second. The bottom of Ayin Gimel. What's the example of only being answered one answer and it being the first? This is, Dabra Melech was... Um, hiding in a city called Keila, and Shal Amelech was running after him, and he was asking the Urimatumim, "Should I leave?" You know what? I think they asked the Urimatumim outside of the base of Mikdash. It's not shocking. This is already taking place outside of the base of Mikdash. So I think they asked it outside of the base of Mikdash. But anyway, I have to look into that. Um, he was in the city of Keila, and Shal was coming after him. So he asked the Urimatumim two questions: One, will the people of the town give me over if Shal comes? Meaning, will they betray me and hand me over? And two, is Shaul going to come to this town? So will Shaul come to this town? Oh, no. The first question is, will I be given over? And number two, will Shaul come to the town? He asked two questions. What was the answer? Again, you always, you always answer the first question. The first question is, will I be given over? 
by the elders of the town. So what did the Pasuk say? Hashem said Shoal is coming. Meaning, he was answered the second question. So the Gemara asks, I thought, you're, I thought you only answered for the first question. You're only supposed to ask one question at a time. If you ask two questions, you always answer the first question. But he was answered the second question. So the Gemara says, Rishon David, David Shal, go to the next page, Shaloi Kaseder. The Achzir Loi Kaseder, Bikim and Shiyadr, Shaloi Kaseder, Chaz Vishal Kaseder. Shenemar Hayiz Katani, Baliki Loi, Sivis Anshi, Biyad Shal, Viyom Hashem Yazgiru. The answer is, David Melch asked out of order. If you're supposed to ask, think about it. He's asking, will Shaul attack? And if he attacks, will I be given over? But he asked, will I be given over? Will Shaul attack? So when he asked that question and Hashem said, Shaul is coming, that was Hashem's way of saying, you asked out of order. So he asked a second time. And then the order was fixed. So he wasn't... Normally you're answered the second one. uh, But in this case, he was answered the first because that was Hashem's way of saying, you're asking out of order. Ask again. It's like, you know. Okay. Um... Now let's say a person needs to ask two questions and he doesn't have time. Then he could ask two questions and you'll get an answer. Two, you'll get two answers. The David Melech asked, this is obviously, there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a, a battalion that's leaving and he wants to know, should I attack? You don't have a lot of time. David Melech asked the order to him, should I attack them and will I be successful? It's two questions. And Hashem says, Hasik Tasik Vahatsil Tatsil, attack and you will win. So that's two questions and two answers. Everything the Urvatum said came true. It always came true. There was no there was no um, there was no I don't know, there was no uh, it, it didn't work out. Everything it said came true. Now the Gemara points out that there was one situation in history that said, yeah. No, they had in the second. They had in the yeah, second. Uh, yeah, I think they had in the second. I don't see why. Uh, no, but they had. They had uh, the items. I, I think they had in the second. Not, I'm not aware that they didn't. I'll check that up. I'm not aware that they didn't. I think they did. So the Gemara says uh, it could be in the second. They didn't answer it as much because they have to. You have to be good. You have to be deserving of it. But it wasn't like a magic apple. You know what I mean? But. Um, now, the, the only problem was, we're saying right now that everything the Urmatum said came true. There's one time in history that seems not like that, and that was, there was a whole story, I don't want to go into the details, but there was a whole, there was a Pelegish and Giva, there was a woman who was attacked uh, by the Binyamin tribe. She was attacked uh, and hurt, and, and she died from the attack, the assault, and basically the other Shvatim attacked Binyamin and destroyed, basically it destroyed almost the entire Shevet. It, it was a, a civil war that erupted. Um, now, what was weird was they asked the Urim Batumim, should we attack Binyamin? And Urim Batumim said yes. And they attacked and they lost the first battle. Then they asked a second time, should we attack Binyamin? And the Urim Batumim said yes. And they attacked the second time and lost. And then they asked the third time and they were successful. So the Gemara says, you just said everything it says came true. You said we asked you to attack twice and the answer was yes and we lost both battles. So what's the deal? So that's the Gemara says, V'yafalp and if you'll ask, what about this story of Binyamin where they were asked to attack and they didn't win? The answer is, Heim bichnu im No, listen. The word of the tomb, you got to be very careful with how you ask. They asked, should we go to war? The answer was yes. The war was what Hashem wanted. They never asked if they would be successful. So Hashem said, go to war. They lost the first battle. 
going to war a second time. They lost the second battle. The third time they finally asked, will we be successful? And Shep says, yes. I don't really know why. It's like they had to ask the right way. So the Urvatum was never wrong. Should we go to war? Yeah. And they did go to war. And that was what Hashem wanted. They just were not successful. Should we go to war more time? And will we be successful? And the Urmatum said, Go tomorrow, I'll give them over in your hands. Now, how was the answer given? So, Rav Yochanan Omar Boltus. Rav Yochanan says that the letters lit up and stood out, meaning the letters sort of lit up. So if you'll have, by the way, the letters, for the record, it was, where were these letters from? From the Shvatim, the names of the Shvatim. So let's say the answer, if you want, let's say the answer was going to be Cain. Yes, right? So the, the Chaf would light up and the Nun would light up. And he would be able to put it together. That's where Yochanan's take. Rishlokasham Mitztarfus. Rishlokasham says it didn't light up. The letters moved and formed words. Is there a letter? Is there every letter in the Torah? Oh, so the Gemara asks your question, which is that if you go through the Shvatim, there are some letters missing. So how do you you can't ask questions if there are some letters missing? So the Gemara says. Now before we get to that, the Gemara says that so it either lit up or the words moved to form answers. So here's the question. I feel like I can do that. Not, not that I could do that, but I could probably read the answer, right? I mean, if it's just reading, I could read. See, here's the Gemara's question. Valok, uh, uh, um, actually, actually, we'll get to my question. I'm, I'm out of order. You're right first. Halok tzadi. There is no tzadi. If you go through all the Shvatim's names, there's no tzadi in, in any of the Shvatim. So how could you ask questions that were Matuma if there are letters missing? It has to be that the, all the letters are there. So what about tzadi? So the Gemara answers, On the Urim it also says in the bottom, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. Tzadi is from Yitzchak. The Gemara says, okay, but we're still missing one more letter. Um, uh, there's no test in the Shvatim, and there's no test in Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. So the Gemara answers, It says the words, Shvatim. The test is from Shvatim. Okay, so, so there's two methods of how it is. Either the lights up or the words are formed. So the Gemara says, So the Gemara says that one of the prerequisites to ask the Rebbe is the Kain Gadol has to have the Shechina. He has to be a Tzadik. So the question is, why? Meaning, if all it is is just reading letters that lit up or letters formed, what do I have to be a Tzadik for? Just, whatever, I could do that. Why? It says, you can only ask the Urim Batumim if the Kayin Gadol is a tzaddik. So what do you have to, why? Why have you a tzaddik? I could read it. So the answer is, Siyuka Masayule. The answer is, it would only light up if the Kayin Gadol was worthy. It's not that you need a tzaddik to be able to read. It's that the Kayin Gadol, if he wasn't worthy, the answer, there would be no answer. So that's the case then. Oh, let's get back to what Yaakov was saying before. This is the second base I was saying. The second base of it's most likely, yeah, in the times of Shimon tzaddik, I think if I'm not mistaken, isn't there a medrash that though there are Saruge Malchus, right? We say it on Yom Kippur that they were they were they were killed, right? We know they were killed, and and we say it on Yom Kippur that they were asked they asked Elio Anavi of whether they should let themselves die or should they fight back, and he says Kach Nigzar, you should die. I thought according to one shot they asked the Urim Vatum. I think Shimon Atzadik. Shimon Atzadik asked the Urim Vatum. He was in the beginning of the second Mitzvah. But he was he had. 
he was a tzaddik. So that's what I'm saying. So to answer Yaakov's question of did they have a second visit, the answer is probably it depends. If you're not a tzaddik, then the answer doesn't come. So there was probably a large period of time where you could ask all you want, nothing's happening. Okay, let's just finish up the, the parak. That for first base of Mikdash and probably exactly. And then it just and then it it didn't didn't light up anymore. Ain Shailin El Lamelech, Minani Mili. You could only ask for a king or for the needs of Klal Yisrael. There were no personal questions that were allowed to be asked. The Pasuk says that they would ask, so who that's, who could ask, meaning, not who is in HWO, who, the Pasuk says, he, he is asking that for the Melech. Then it says, for the Jewish people, those are the three types of people that you're allowed to ask. Well, just, we're going to start the next parak. I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of the next parak. Final parak. This parak is now dealing with the laws of Yom Kippur itself, the actual fast itself. So, so you, gotta, you gotta leave on a high. You know what I mean? You gotta leave Urim Vatum. That's, that's how you gotta go. So the Gemara says, Yom Kippurim Aser, what are the five prohibitions on Yom Kippur? The five prohibitions are Achila, you know how to eat, Shtia, you know how to drink, Rechitzi, you know how to wash yourself, Sicha, you know how to anoint yourself, Nil Sasandal, actually, Achila and Shtia is one. So Achila, Shtia, eat and drink, one. Um, Rechitza, you're not allowed to wash yourself, take a shower. Sicha, you're not allowed to anoint yourself with oil. Neil Sasandi, you're not allowed to wear leather shoes. Tashamita, you're not allowed to live with your wife. No. The needs of Kalal Yisrael or the needs of the king. Like if the king decided that, you know, maybe there was a new tax, he could ask, is this a good idea? Because that affects Kalal Yisrael. That's the point. It has to affect all of Kalal Yisrael. So it was used for yeah, 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 for sure. But again, only things that needs of Klai Yisrael, crazy. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, the Mishnah says, V'hamelech v'hakala yirchatsu, as p'neim, a king and a kala, a newlywed wife, is allowed to wash herself, because it's important that she looks nice. The Gemara will analyze this halacha. Hachaya tinol as a sandal, a woman who just gave birth, is allowed to wear shoes because she's considered a sick person and, and it helped her to wear leather shoes. That's allowed. Did Rav Elazar, Chamais and Chum disagree. They say no. Even a woman who just gave birth is not allowed to. Now, how much are you not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur? And what's the prohibition? If you eat on Yom Kippur, you're Chayv Kares. On purpose, you eat Chayv Kares. How much are you not allowed to eat? So normally when it comes to food, it's a Kezayis. But on Yom Kippur, it's a Kosevis. Ha'ochel ki Kosevis agasa if you eat like a large date. Kamayu gerineha, including the, the pit, if you eat that size... That's chayv kares, and I lugmav. And if you drink a cheeksful, uh, a full cheeksful, malay lugmav. Actually, no, I'm sorry, two cheeksful. If you were to fill up your cheeks, it's actually it's subjective. The amount is based on your 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 face. It's all based on your your size of your face. If you fill up two cheeks worth, that that's how much you have to drink to be chayv kares. All foods combined for each other for the shira, and all liquids combined. But food and drink do not combine. Okay, so what you're not allowed to eat on Yom Kippur is a date's worth, you're not allowed to drink a malilugmav. Huh? No, no, I was just going to do two more minutes, literally two minutes. Two minutes. So the Gemara says, Osir, the, the, the Mishnah says, if you eat, it's Osir to eat on Yom Kippur, Osir is a little bit too meek. Anish Kares, you get Kares, what Asr? Asr implies that it's just prohibited. It's Anish Kares. So the Gemara says, 
what the Mishnah means when it says it's Aser, it means Chatsi Shir. Even if you eat half of the Shir, it's Aser. Normally you'll say, well, I didn't do the prohibition. I ate half a date. The answer is half a date is also Aser. It's called Chatsi Shir. Chatsi Shir Aser Half the Shir is also Aser This is the concept of Shiurim on Yom Kippur, that you're eating less than the Shir, so it's not Mutter, but it's not Karis. Chatsi Shir. So when the Mishnah says Aser, it's Chatsi Shir. So the Gemara says, Ha Nicha Lamanda Amar Chatsi Shir Aser That makes sense according to Rav Yochanan who says that Chatsi Shir is Aser Minatora, that half the Shir is Aser from the Torah. El Rav Yochanan, El Lamanda Amar Chatsi Shir Mutter But according to Rish Lakish, that half a Shir is Mutter from the Torah. It's Mutter. So why is it Aser? It's not Aser. It's Mutter. So what do you have to say? Michael Memer did my chatzis shir of Yechon ma'asim in Torah Rishlakish mother in Torah. So Hanichler of Yechon Rishlakish Michael Memer. The answer is mother Rishlakish asim in Derabbanon. The answer is when it says aser, it doesn't mean aser doraisa. It's aser derabbanon. Half the shir is definitely aser derabbanon. The machlokus is whether it's aser doraisa. We'll stop here. We'll pick it up tomorrow, position. Recording stopped.